Hi, I'm Joaquin Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. I pray that Jesus ministers to you through today's message and that you are blessed deeply. If you're encouraged, please like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our weekly sermons. Enjoy the message. This is going to surprise a lot of you, but I have a message. And it's one that I actually planned. I didn't write it while in worship. So we'll see what happens. We'll see if I finish it. (laughs) Oh, man. I want to talk about facing your giants. Um, I don't know why this spurred this thought in me, but I went to the chiropractor on Friday and he goes, how's your week been? And I went, amazing. And I thought, no, it hasn't. This week sucked. Sorry, if that's offensive to you. This week was very difficult. And challenging. But how many of you have ever responded on what you think you should say rather than being honest with what you're actually feeling. I'm it? Oh, two guys. Okay, thanks. A couple people. That's great. You guys are way more spiritual than me. I'm glad. Um, I meant what I said. I'm doing great. Why? I have a good God. And regardless of what I'm going through, his promises are true. So I'm doing great. But I had a rough week. A lot of challenging things. And it made me just think of this conversation I've had about giants. And giants are the things that seem to be in the way of preventing us from living out the truth of our identity in God. If you don't live in your identity, we're setting a low ceiling for our children in the next generation. All of us face giants. How many of you would agree with that? Eight people said yes, 12 hands went up, the rest of you. I'm going to get you engaged. Even if I have to line up $100 bills and say you have to come grab one. Can I borrow a bunch of hundreds from someone? All of us face giants. Sometimes it's corporately, sometimes it's individually. There's pain, it's a giant. There's lack. Fear. Some of us face this giant of sickness and we need healing. Some of us face this giant of finances that we can't seem to conquer. Some of us face the giants of relationships that don't seem to be restored or don't seem to be working out well. Some of us, corporately and even as a body, sometimes we face the giants of society and what we see going wrong or the, the things that we see standing against what we believe as true. Sometimes it's just the giants that oppose God. Seemingly huge. How many of you would say that the giant of society against God is a big giant? See, I don't want to get over spiritual and be like, oh, he's puny. No, he's huge. The giant is huge. I'm I'm more than a conqueror. So I'm not afraid of him, but he's a big giant. He's not bigger than God. 
but every giant was created to be defeated. <laughs> See, we need to stop just surviving in what God calls us to, and we need to conquer. Some of you need to hear that. Surviving's okay, but you are created to conquer. I might look at a few of you in the eyes, sorry. <laughs> I love it when people that know me really well, they're like, I'm being looked at. See, giants camp around promises and things that oppose your identity. How many of you have read one of these? Okay, come on now. You're all Christians, you're all in this. How many of you have read one of these? How many of you brought one of these to church? How many of you didn't? Okay, going to church without a Bible is like going on a date without a date. Doesn't make any sense. Bring your Bible to church. Numbers 13. Moses is delivered. I know numbers. I went old, I went old Testament. Sorry. You guys okay with that? You sure? You guys understand it's still relevant, right? See, you can't say old Testament and think it doesn't matter anymore. It's actually the first covenant. <laughs> we need to quit thinking of it as old. That means out of date. That's not it. It was the first covenant. It doesn't mean it's out. It means that there's something else that's happened since, but it's still there. And it's still relevant. Numbers 13. Israel is out of Egypt. 40 years. They're about to come into the promised land. Everybody knows that, right? You guys have at least seen VeggieTales and know some of this stuff? Like, <laughs> all right. So Numbers 13, it says, and you know, Moses sends spies into the promised land. But I've, I've always, why did Israel actually follow what the majority said, not the faithful? Verse 2 says, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. We have to recognize that God didn't send spies. He sent leaders to spy. See, we sometimes think that it's the spies that came back. So you almost downplay, well, they were just the spies giving a report. No, they were the leaders of the tribes that came back with a report to their people. The majority said, we are grasshoppers among them. They are too big. We can't get there. But a couple of them said, God gave us a promised land and they're easy. We'll conquer them no problem. Are you listening to the voice of the majority of the voice of the faithful? Are you receiving that the giants are big or that the promise is true? Sometimes it's the minority, the crazy ones that speak truth that sounds scary. I like a little bit of fear. We're all told, don't fear. 
No, 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 no. Don't fear the enemy. Fear God. If God's given you a promise and you don't receive it, leave that one there for a minute. Put yourself in that position. You've been sent to scout the land. What message are you bringing back? That the giants are too big or that the promise is true? What do you believe about our current day and age? What do you believe about what's going on today? How many of you would say that there are things that are opposing the will of God today? What message are you bringing back to the people that are following you? The giants are big or the promise is true? We get, skip down to verse 30. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against these people for they are stronger than we are. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. That's key right there. And so we were in their sight. See, when I've read that before, I didn't catch that for a while. Whose sight were they grasshoppers first? Their own sight, which empowered their enemy to actually see them that way. Do you know that your enemy is going to see you the way you see you? If you see yourself as a conqueror and a giant killer, guess what the giant looks at? But if you see yourself as a weakling that will be overcome by the giants, guess what the enemy does? He stands in authority because he's, no, he's, he doesn't have to be afraid of you. What is it that we have decided we can't do, but it's really if we've decided what we won't do? See, most of us say we can't, but the reality is that we're saying we won't. Or that even we're afraid. Courage isn't the absence of fear. It's actually being strong in the face of it. You guys okay? Thank you. I have a message. It's really weird. See, giants are real and they stand in the midst of our promises. What is it that we're bringing back as a report? Because we are either causing faith or fear, and what we actually do will impact those around us. How many of you have looked to someone consciously or maybe even unconsciously and actually responded to a situation based on how they've responded? It's very common. So how many people, I, I will tell you this, you are an influence to someone. And someone is watching how you're responding. And you're creating fear or faith when you decide how to act. God will not override your will to conquer fear. 
He wants us to do it afraid, trusting that his anointing is going with us. See, sometimes, sometimes we go to the Father saying, help me, I'm afraid. And he's like, but I've created you to be more than a conqueror. Now, is it wrong to go to the Father? No. But it's wrong to not believe who he created you to be. See, it was a promised land. They had the advantage. Do you guys get that? They had the advantage. They had the promise of God. An unrecognized advantage is an unclaimed reward. When you don't see the promise of God over the circumstance you're facing, you're saying, I don't recognize what you've offered me and given me. I recognize the challenge between here and there. Opposition doesn't prevent the presence of God. It presents the opportunity to prove the presence of God. Opportunity doesn't prevent the presence of God. Or I'm sorry, opposition doesn't present, prevent. (laughs) Opposition doesn't prevent the presence of God. It presents the opportunity to prove the presence of God. All right, open your Bibles. And if you didn't bring one, look over your neighbor's shoulder. 1 Samuel 17. David and Goliath. It's one of my favorite places of scripture. I think God created me to be a warrior, so I really like David. Most of what he did. I like who God saw him as. I, I, I could... I could probably preach about a dozen messages on just the story of David and Goliath. It's one of my favorite places in scripture because I feel like there's so much to unpack in this. Just want to hit a couple points. David was sent to take supplies to his brothers. You guys, we're going to end up in verse 38 and then we'll skip down to like verse 50 or 51, something like that. David was sent to take supplies to his brothers. He wasn't on the battlefield. So you have the army facing the Philistine army. He sees a giant defying the armies of God. He goes to Saul and says he wants to kill him. Everybody know that part of the story? Okay. So Saul, verse 38, so Saul clothed David in his armor and he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to the armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Oh, man, there's two or three messages right there. Young people, quit talking. Put your phones down. Look at me. 
You have to be willing to put on the armor of the previous generation to receive the blessing of God for the armor you're the, the war you're headed into. It doesn't mean that you have to wear it the way we wore it, but you have to try it on because there's wisdom that comes from a generation before you that empowers you to step into what you're called to. The rest of us, the older generation, we have to be willing to allow the younger generation to not go in the way we've gone. We have to offer them what we have, but if they say, I've not yet tested it and I have my way, we have to honor that in that generation. That was completely side note. Okay, let's skip through a bunch of verses. David kills Goliath with a sling, cuts off his head with his sword. <laughs> it's not enough to just kill a giant. You also have to cut off its head. That, that's another message. We're not called to just kill. We're called to cut off the head of the giant. Uh, okay. Oh, I want to stay there, but I'm not going to. All right, let's drop down, I think, verse 50 or 51. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley and the gates of Ekron. And then it goes on. The children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines and plundered their tents. The same army that was cowering in fear in face of the giant was now able to plunder in victory. Because someone decided to stand up to the giant. A single man equipped an entire people group and an, an entire army to take what they were promised because he stood up to the giant. When we conquer giants, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. Our victory over fear automatically liberates others. I want to read something. I got to find it now. Look at your neighbor and tell them something amazing about themselves. This is one of my favorite quotes. I've probably, I've probably said it here a dozen times. I should have it memorized. But I think this actually says so much. It's our deepest fear from Marianne Williamson. I don't know how many of you have heard this, but our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, or fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God, and playing small does not serve the world. 
There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. And it is not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Come on. When you look in the mirror in the morning, what do you see? Come on. And it's important that you tell yourself the truth about yourself. See, the funny thing is, is that Christians can get so wrapped up in what worldly methods are happening, sometimes even what witchcraft, demonic, universalistic stuff's going on, they get so scared by their tactics that they actually push away from truths that are available for them. See, I've, I've heard a lot of Christians go, well, I don't like those self-help things. They're all about themselves. Yeah, the way they're approaching it, but there's something valuable about being able to look yourself in the face and call out the truth of who you are. There's something amazing about being able to actually acknowledge who you've been designed to be. Do you know that when God created you, he created a perfect person? I love you. <laughs> I remember, I'm a little short rabbit trail to, rabbit trail to Guam. I went to Guam, my nephew was there, niece and nephew were there, part of a church, and I went to visit them and I ended up just speaking to their small little ministry, which was a ministry for women that have been through sex trafficking, drug problems, just women that have come out of really hard places. Most of the women that I met were on fire for God, but most of them didn't know who they were. Because it's easy to believe that he's amazing and still think that you're not. The problem is, is that you can't ever actually step into who you're called to be if you don't see yourself the way he sees you. And so I had them say something and it was amazing to watch how hard it was for the words to come out of their mouth. And we did this simple little thing where I had them get up on a small platform. It was probably one step tall and they had to stand on the edge and they had to say, I am perfect in God and then jump. One step. I think there were about 18 women. It took almost 45 minutes to get through the first round of them because there, there were women that stood there and I, I, I'm not in a hurry sometimes. I don't mind waiting for 20 minutes if it's going to cause someone to step into breakthrough. And I remember there were women saying, I can't say that. And they started telling me all of the things that they'd done wrong, the choices that they'd made, all the things that the enemy continuously reminded them. 
And I just would look at them and say, but that's not how I see you. And they needed a person to say it because they've heard that God says that about them, but they don't have that. I can't see. So I would look them in the eyes, but that's not how I see you. You are perfect in God. And it took about 40, 45 minutes for all of those women. Then I had them do it again and again and again and again and again. And it got to where the women were roaming up. I'm perfect. They left out the end God and I was okay with that. I want to ask you honestly, could you look yourself in the mirror in your own eyes and say, I am perfectly made in God. I honestly believe that some of us hope that we could say that. But when you look yourself in the eyes, it's sometimes hard to recognize what he's done over what you've done. But what is actually the truth? You were created perfectly. See, once he made you, there was nothing more he could do that was better. You were made in their image. That's another message that we could get into. Because some of us are, oh, we were made in his image. That's not what he said. He said, you were made in our image. There's a depth to the understanding of what he said there that we need to grab a hold of. It's not just Jesus, it's not just the Father, and it's not just the Spirit. It's everything. We were created in their image. Did Jesus conquer death? He's more than a conqueror. What were you created to do? Be more than a conqueror. If there is something that you're facing in your life, it's probably something you're meant to reign and rule over. Now, it sounds easy. What I'm saying, it sounds easy. Well, just get over it. Get past it. Be a conqueror and be successful. I spent probably 20 years after being saved looking at an, a giant and allowing myself to agree with the amount of times that he kicked my butt that he was winning. I have some amazing men that have spoken into my life. Chad's one of them. There are a few other men that have come alongside me because this giant that I faced was finances. Because the most common thread of prophetic words I've received since I got saved was the amount of money I would steward and the wealth I would hold. Guess where I've probably been attacked the most in my entire life? The money that I have and the wealth that I hold. Giants camp around the promise. Because if they can prevent you from your promise, they can disarm your belief in a lot of different areas in, in God. See, we sometimes put all our eggs in one basket to where it's like, this is what God said, and if it doesn't come true, I actually don't trust God in a lot of areas. I start to back away from who he is in fullness because of one area that I don't see breakthrough. I don't only not become a conqueror, I actually become a victim. So I had some people kindly, gently, because that's how I receive, kindly and gently, Tell me I was wrong. 
How many of you like to be told you're wrong? If you raise your hand, you're a liar. <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> they told me that my way of thinking was broken because I was seeing the obstacle, not the promise. Yeah, but... Two most common words of unbelief. Yeah, but. Devil's got a big butt. You're called to this. Yeah, but. It's what the enemy has fed you that you actually acknowledge over the promise. See, I was called to a promised land of finances and wealth. Does it matter about the money? No, it matters about the promise of God. I actually got to a place where I agreed so much with the attack of the giant that I said, I actually don't want the money. God says, I've created a promise for you. And I'm like, yeah, that's hard. I'm holy. I don't need that. How many of us have agreed with the enemy's lies, justified it, because of how you feel God wants you to act and how people view you and actually forsaken a promise in the midst of it. So I'm happy to give the testimony. I'm still getting my butt kicked by this giant. That's not what you guys were expecting to hear (laughs) at all. But I actually see the giant as who he is. He's something that's going to die. And I'm going to cut his head off. What giants are you facing? Every one of you has a giant you faced. There's no one in here that's like, nope. I have no giants. That means you have no promise. Ooh, that one stung. Some of you are like, yeah. Some of you are like, that wasn't nice. Every one of you has a promise. Some of you have lost sight of the promise because you've cowered in front of the giant. Everyone in, everyone in here has a giant that they're facing. And I would probably say, this isn't a hundred, I'm not going to say this is an absolute. I would probably say it's standing in front of the promise of God for your life. One of the ones that is really hard for me to face because it's a now thing is people that are contending for health in the midst of an incurable thing. That is a giant in front of them. And even with the passing of Benny, you know, some of us are like, I don't understand. Did the giant win? No. No, he didn't. The giant wins when you submit to him. Who was promised the promised land? Israel. Out of those that were promised, how many actually got to see it? What you need to, there were more than two. Is anybody over 20? 
had passed. So all of the ones under 20. So you high schoolers, you guys are doing great. All of those under 20. But here's the thing. You have to recognize that the giant you're facing may not have been yours. It may be a generational one that you're called to conquer. And you may be facing a giant that the generation behind you will conquer. But what faith standard have you placed in their lives? Have you actually said, I can't beat this giant? Because what do they actually believe about it then? That it's unbeatable. Or have you said, I will go to my grave fighting because I have a promise on the other side. Because the generation behind you goes, I refuse to allow that being done in vain. Those who bring back messages of fear lose out on inheritance, while those who act in faith toward the promise become kings. I believe in that moment, if David had actually partnered with his brothers, with King Saul, and the rest of the army, he would have lost out on an inheritance. Instead, he became a king. The giants in our lives are actually prophesying the level of breakthrough that we're called to. How many of you feel like you have huge giants you've been facing? That just shows you the level of trust and the level of promise of God over your life. I want to go watch like Gladiator right now or something. I think even some of the ladies are like, yeah, why not? I'm not satisfied with there being giants. In the people's lives around me. I love it. There was a trumpeting roar to go after. <laughs> kind of a cute one. <laughs> Charge. You know, it's funny, that level of faith to charge will kill a giant. You don't have to be the strongest, the bravest, the most powerful to defeat a giant. You have to be the most faithful. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.